Well, let me just tell you a couple of things, okay? This will not be a long message, I promise. If I'm out of control, I'm not sorry. <laughs> no. I do feel kind of get out of control sometimes. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, let me just tell you this. The Lord gave me this, this title for some great messages, okay? I really, the Lord really gave me this. He never gives me titles for messages. Usually, Tony asked me, what are you going to name that message? And so I had to think up something. But he gave me this title, and, the name, and it was Vital Signs. Remember last week I talked to you about vital signs. You know, vital signs when you go to the doctor and there's your body temperature, there's your blood pressure, there's your respiratory, you know, breathing, and then there's your heartbeat. Right? That's a, those are vital signs that the doctor checks. And if there's something wrong with one of those signs, then there's probably something wrong with you physically. And then that gives the doctors clues. Well, there's spiritual vital signs. Where God, where we really need to ask ourselves um, about these vital signs. And I gave you three of them last week. And they were, number one was, was lowliness or humility. Okay, that was the first one. Are we humble? Are we getting low in our hearts? Yeah, that's a very vital sign because God resists the proud, right? So that's something we need to pay attention to. Number two, it was prayer. Okay? And that God really is calling the church into prayer right now. And one thing I was telling Becky <clears throat> that I personally think, and maybe I'm just the more, but I, I feel like in some ways, you know, there's, there's been like an intercessory prayer movement, which has been an awesome move of God. But in some ways that's hurt us, or maybe hurt people like me, because we've depended on intercessors to do a lot of the praying where God's calling all of us to pray. And I believe that prayer is really important. That's why I was sharing earlier. I've, I've been, since I've really engaged God in prayer in my life, these crazy thoughts are coming to me about God answering crazy prayers, outlandish prayers. And I believe God really wants us to be praying people. Yeah, it's a challenge from God to pray those kind of crazy prayers. To really get out there and... And, you know, I, I just sense the Lord's pleasure on prayer right now, okay? I really feel like, God, there's a pleasure when I've been praying instead of, like, something I need to do, I better do. Um, and I know we've talked about a lot, not recently, but a lot about soaking prayer, contemplative-type prayer, and I'm big into that. But I feel more anointing on the supplication and crying out to the Lord-type prayer right now than I do on the soaking. And I still soak because that's a chance for God to download into me Yes, yeah, it's, it's where you just receive from God. But I'm also coming out of that receiving thing where I feel like that uh, God really wants to, us to cry out and He wants to answer our prayers. He really does because God really loves us and really cares about us and wants to demonstrate answer to prayer. And the third thing, I'm telling you all this, I got it on purpose. You ever had the, we all know this phase, home sweet home. Right? When you're like you've been gone somewhere. Even if you go on vacation, it's always like when you get back into your own home, how wonderful it feels, right? Like, ah, oh, home sweet home. Even if you don't have a very good home, you know, house to live in. I mean, I know one time I was, well, I was my brother-in-law who lived in a trailer. Anybody ever lived in a trailer before? Uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. How about, well, how are you living in this car? That's his home. But we were going home. I said, yeah, we've got to get home. He said, well, you're glad because you live in a nice house, but I live in a trailer. So I called him when he got home. I said, you glad to be home? He said, yeah, I am. <laughs> it's home, sweet home. Now, no matter, I'm sure you feel like that about your car right now. It's very dear to you right now. I've, <laughs> he loves his friends more. than his But uh, <laughs> uh, so I got that when I walked in the church this morning because I had been... Uh, had this opportunity to go out and be at some other churches this weekend, and it was really rough on me. I'll be honest with you; it was just just heartbreaking. And um, but so I was just so glad to be back home. That's the way I felt like, man, I'm at, I'm back home here. This is where I belong. And uh, but then uh, a story in the Bible came to my mind, and it's in Second Kings 22. And it's, there was a king named Josiah. He became a king when he was an eight-year-old boy. And he, and so he had 18 years of his reign, which put him at 26 years old. And so he wanted to uh, rebuild the house of God. The house of God, well, it wasn't torn down, but it was, it needed remodeling. Okay, it was like it needed a facelift, needed some fixing. So he, there was money there that had been received to take up to, to care for the house of God. And he 
So he had the carpenters to come in. And it was interesting that he said, these men deal, in fa- deal faithfully. They don't even have to give an accounting. I thought that was interesting of the money. Just go do it. Here's the money. Go, go fix the house of God. And so they were fixing it. In the middle of it, they found a book. And uh, they, they brought the book to him. And he had this scribe to read the book. And when he did, it broke his heart. He was just broken over what was it, because the book was the Bible. Okay? And lately I've had this thing that's been happening to me. Um, and, well, it started like this. We were, I was in a meeting and, and I heard some news. And it was bad news. And what it did to me, it, it, I just, I wanted to, I didn't fall to my knees. I wish I would have. I wish I would just quit trying to look good and be, you know, have it under, all under control. You know what I'm saying when you're around people? I mean, because this was a place you could have not looked good. It was with other people in the church. But I saw this picture of, in the Old Testament, I saw where the priests, when they heard bad news, they would rip their garments open and throw dust on their head. And I saw that in my mind when they were telling me that, and it just made me like, oh, God, that's what I feel like doing. I feel like ripping my clothes and throwing dust on my head because the, this what I had just heard was so so devastating. And I read that this morning, and I thought, well, I think God really wants... And God, thank God He doesn't ask us to do that, right, today. Like, rip your clothes. And so I wore my favorite shirt to church this morning. This is my all-time favorite Sure. I love this shirt. I look at this shirt every time I open my closet and think, when was the last time I wore that shirt? In fact, when I came to church this morning, I looked at it and thought, I think I wore it a month ago. Nobody will remember it. So I can wear it again. I was so excited that I was going to get to wear my favorite shirt. You know? And then I got here, though, and I read where Josiah ripped his shirt when he heard about the Word of God, and I was just so broken in my heart because I thought the condition of the church in America, and it made me want to do that. And Mark gave me a shirt. <laughs> Mark Brandow said, Here, I'm giving you my shirt. Rip it, since you won't rip your shirt. <laughs> so I ripped Mark Brandow's shirt. I ripped all the buttons off of it. But really, I wanted to do that because I believe that God is saying that to us right now, but it's our heart. It's our heart because I was in these churches and I said, if this is what it is, I don't want this. If this is the way it is. And I went to a pastor's meeting and I said, if this is the way pastors are, I don't want to be a pastor no more. And I told my friend, it was Robin, and I said, Robin, am I like that? Do I look like that? Do I have a plastic look on me? Am I a fake? If I am, beat me. Do something to help me because I don't want to be that way. And I don't want to get up here in church and fake a move of God when there's no move of God because I can see right through it and people can see right through it. And the church doesn't need fake. They need something real. We need something real. And we need to... T- and, and I had to deal with my heart. I had to deal with my heart about it because I wanted to find fault. Of course I did. I wanted to criticize them. You know, that's what I was wanting to do, but I kept telling myself, you can't criticize, you can't. You can't judge, you can't do that because that's not allowed. Right? <laughs> and then you would be in trouble. I'm spitting, sorry. I almost spit on your foot. <laughs> she barefooted, I almost spit on her foot. Just an inch or two more and she'd have been spit on. <laughs> like, man, I'm not going to that church no more. I'm spitting on my foot. But I feel like, and I'm up here in my T-shirt. That's pretty good, though. Isn't it? Is that okay? See, that way I can save my nice shirt and wear it again in a couple of weeks. And you know. <laughs> Anyways, what God was, and I, that's why He reminded me of the story of Josiah. That Josiah ripped his clothes because he read the Scripture and realized we're not doing this. We're not doing what's in here. And he fell on his face before the Lord and began to repent. And the Lord brought a revival. And you know, the Lord, the Bible says that Josiah was like his father David. You know, in other words, Josiah had a great report from God because of his heart. 
And see, God wants us to, to tear our hearts right now. I really believe that. He wants us to rend our hearts because the church and the pastors don't need to be condemned. They don't need to be put down. They don't need to be judged. That's not going to help them. What they need is they need to know the Father's love. They need to know the heart of God. They need to know something better instead of being told how, how crummy they are because most of them are probably doing the best they can. They're trying. They're, you know, they're doing what they can do, but they've gotten this thing. It's like a that's why I said, I said, this is like, this. it just looks plastic. It just doesn't look real. These pastors, I thought, I could pick these guys out of a crowd and say, that guy's a pastor because he's got this look on his face. And then I realized, am I like that, Lord? Or am I looking in the mirror? Am I really looking at myself? When I was sitting in that church, I thought, am I looking at me? Am I looking at river life? I walked into this one church and I walked in and I thought, I wouldn't go to this church. That's my first thought. I would not go to this church. I don't like this church. I don't like the way it feels. I don't like none of that. And I realized, is that how people feel when they come in our church? Because people need something real. They need reality. They don't need hype. They don't need faith. They don't need any of that. God doesn't need help, really, in some ways. We try to help the move of God. And He said, I don't need you to help me. I just need you to cooperate with me. I just need you to let me do this. And that's really where we had to get back to. And God wants to bring a revival. See, that's what it was. He was revealing His heart. You know, it's one thing to sit here and declare, I've had visions of God moving in America. And I have. I've seen the fire of God. It's easy to have a vision. But walk into a church where they need the fire and not condemn them. And not judge them and say, they need God's fire here. They need the real presence of God here. That's what God's done. That's what He wants to do with us. We need the real presence of God because in all this I'm saying to you, I'm looking at myself. I'm looking at us. I'm not saying we don't, don't even think for one minute I'm thinking anything in terms of comparing us and, and that we got something they don't or vice versa because that's just ridiculous. What I'm saying is we need the Lord and we need God for us to get real. We really do need the Word of the Lord. We need a revival of the Word in our own personal lives. I'm sort of getting back to that. You know? But I really want you to get this image in your mind of this rendering of your heart. Instead of us, when other Christians are messing up, okay, and making mistakes. Because first, that first thing, it was about something someone had done. And it was bad what they did. It was really bad. You know, but what I saw was that tearing instead of being upset with them, instead of judging them. And that's what the Father wants to do. He wants to release that kind of view to us. Amen? Well, that was... Okay. Are y'all good? All right, now, that was, that was last week's message I just preached to you. <laughs> no, that's good. Let me just, just jump through this real quick. Are y'all good? Oh, we can stop now. I'm good. Hey, you know, I'm going to tell you this. It's great when God gives you a title for a, a, a message, but then He doesn't give you the message. <laughs> like, that's a great title. Can you give me something to say? <laughs> because I could say that title in like two seconds and be done. <laughs> but I love that vital signs. God really did give me that. He's never in my life given me a, something like that. So I was just so enthused about the, sign, the vital signs and really for us really asking the Lord, do I really have a prayer life? Am I really humbling myself? Do I really have a life in the Word? Really asking ourselves that question and allowing God to speak to our hearts about it and help us because those things are telling us what our spiritual condition really is. You know, if we don't have a life in the Word, it's like you got some really bad blood pressure going in your body. We need to get it up because it's, it's so low, you know. And... Anyways, well, Lord bless y'all. That's good. I wanted to give you a couple more vital signs this morning real fast because I'm done throwing all the time away. How y'all like me preaching in my T-shirt? Is that pretty good? <laughs> now, Becky's probably not liking it. <laughs> She's probably out there thinking, this guy's not messed up. All right, here's another vital sign. Let me read this, Ephesians 3. I'm not going to do the 4 because I'm messed up. God is looking for us to get real. He's looking for preachers to get real. He's looking for people to get real. He's looking for the church to get real. 
Just get real. Man, let's get rid of all this stuff. Let's just get real with God. Let's quit being phonies. Let's quit trying to act a certain way. Let's just be who we really are and let His life come through us. That's really what He's looking for. And it's sad when we can't be. It really is. Well, the friend I was with said, I'm not like that. That's what he told me. It's Rob McMillan, I'll tell you that. He said, I'm not like that, am I? I no, he didn't say, am I, Byron? He said, I'm not like that. Not every pastor's like that. That's what he's saying to me. Oh, mercy, Lord. Anyways, well, here's a very important uh, vital... Here's a, let me read this. Ephesians three fourteen. For this reason I bow my knees. Y'all remember that? Are y'all tired of me reading that scripture? I've been reading it for weeks now. Isn't it great that you can just do that? We'll just read it forever. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. God's rich. Amen. To the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's a powerful prayer. That and the other one uh, that we prayed this morning in verse in chapter two, no chapter one. You know, I have in the eyes of our heart open. I really encourage you to pray those prayers, memorize those prayers, pray them, pray them on your bed at night, pray them in the middle of the night, pray them in the morning, pray them all the time. Just pray them, and when you pray them, God will answer those prayers for sure. Because number one, He wants this prayer to be answered in our life. But I'll tell you this: when you start praying this prayer, something's going to happen in your life. I can promise you. Because part of it has to do with your insides. And I told you this. I'm going to tell you one more time. And this is not meant as a bad word for any of us. A person in Korea was saying, man, all this great revelation. This has got to be awesome. You've got to have an awesome church. And my thought was, no, not really. Not really. Because how many of us are walking in revelation? You know what I'm saying? How many of us are really, you know, this is really a reality in our life? Well, one person, that's great. One person out of the whole church, we got a person doing it. (laughs) That's good fruit. I'll take anything. Anyways, but it wasn't meant to be a criticism. It was meant like we can't assume anything. We can't assume people are reading the Bible. We can't assume people are praying. We can't assume people are humbling themselves because here's what I've seen. I've seen this. They look okay on the outside. Everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. And then one day you get bad news on them. You hear what I'm saying? Because something on the inside I'm wanting right. It's not the outside. It's something on the inside. Something in the realm of their soul. Suddenly they leave their wife. Suddenly they have an affair. Suddenly they do something really stupid. Suddenly they fall back into the world. It really wasn't suddenly. It was because it was something in their soul that was corroding them, corrupting them, and eating at them, and eating at them, and eating at them. You know, and so I'm thinking, Lord, I don't ever want to assume anything else ever again. I don't want to assume anybody's doing good. I don't want to assume anybody's prospering. I want to make sure if I, somebody says, how you doing? I'm fine, yeah, I'm cool. What? Instead of saying, no, you know, something don't seem right, man, and just reaching out to them. You know, just reaching out like, man, it just don't seem right. You don't seem right to me. Come on. You, something's wrong. Talk to me. I want to have that kind of heart towards people. Uh, they're just having a bad day. No, they may not be. Something may be dying on the inside. They may be crying out for help. I'll tell you this. I've had people that have, that have fallen from the Lord and became arrogant and obnoxious towards me, but later came back to the Lord and said, Byron, I was crying out for somebody to help me, and nobody would listen to me. And I said, but you were acting like a jack. You know what? (laughs) A jack leg. I said, nobody could talk to you because you was being so mean to them. He said, because I was hurt so bad. If somebody could have just gotten to me, then what would it have hurt for you to try? Because I told him, he said, why would you give up on me? I said, because you told me to give up, to leave you alone. And I said, okay, I'll leave you alone then. I'm not talking to you no more. He said, why did you do that to me? Because I was crying out for help. I just, that's what I was saying because it was just my flesh. And you know what I'm saying? It's hard to do that because you get rejected a lot. Yeah. Anyways, let me tell you, all right, gosh, mercy, Lord. Let me tell you this real quick. All right, let me read this. I really want you all to hear this this morning because this will help you. 
John 14, the first, here's another vital sign in your life. It has to do with the revelation of the Father, okay? You know, we've wore that revelation into the ground, I feel like, but I'm telling you, these guys, when they go over there to India, people will be hungry for that revelation. Everywhere I go, oh man, I've, I'll tell you, everywhere I go, not just, not just India, not just South America, not just any, you know, Africa, wherever I've gone, people are hungry to know the Father, People are crying. When you begin to talk to them about it, they listen to you. I'm talking about people who have powerful anointings on their life. I'm talking about when we were in South America, these people from Brazil that had been in this major revival. Major revival. And they were weeping because they didn't have this revelation of God as Father. They were weeping. Weeping. Grown men. Weeping like little babies. And this is what it says in John 14. Philip, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. Do y'all hear that? This is a very important statement. If you can just, if we can just see the Father, Jesus, if you could just show us the Father, everything in our life is going to be made right. You are going to answer all our questions. We are going to understand what's really happening in our life. And the things we don't really understand, we know it's going to be all right because we know the Father. And see, a lot of people don't have that revelation on any level. And God really wants you and I to really dig in and have that revelation. That really will tell the sign of your life. You ask yourself this morning, be truthful. I mean, be harshly truthful. Because do I really have a revelation as God the Father? Do I really have that revelation? Because that's really important to have. And it really will, I can tell you, it will change your life completely and radically. It really will. It will completely change you. It will change the way you think. It will change the way you see other people. It will change the way you do things. Okay? And I really encourage you to get that revelation. God wants to give us a revelation. But then, it, then it, Jesus said to him, Have I not been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. See, that's the whole gospel. Jesus came to reveal the Father. He wanted us to know who the Father is and, and everything about the Father. Uh, how can you say, show us the Father? That's what he was saying. He, see, he was saying, that's what my ministry was all about. It was about showing everybody in the world, this is what God the Father's like. And so we think, we, if we say we know Him, we have to know that we're going to know the Father. And so that's the second thing that I really think is important. It's another vital sign for us. Is It says, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the centrality of Jesus Christ. Being the center, being the focus. I think I shared this already with you, right? Well, I cannot stop sharing it. I share it with myself constantly because I've realized in my life that I feel like sometimes I've drifted away from Christ being my center. I've drifted into other wonderful, good things, but I've gotten so far away from Him that I remember that everything has to go back to Him. And so one of the concerns that I've really, that's really gotten to me, and I don't really know what to do about it, is in the church, you don't, it's, well, it's like this. You go to a church and everything is about somebody, a person. You know, about what this person is doing, about their revelation, and about what they, how God has used them. And I'm thinking, but, but wait a minute. Is that the way it's supposed to be? That when, that, 90% of the talk is about another ministry or another preacher or another this or another that. And I'm saying that to myself. How much am I talking about Jesus? How much is my life centered on Him? Do you hear what I'm saying to you? And, and see, God wants to recenter us on Him. And there's nothing wrong with other preachers and other churches and other ministries and other revelations. There's really nothing wrong with that. The problem is... is it's when we don't have Him. Remember I told you that story about the boards? About the guy who was working on the construction? That really smart guy. Some of you hadn't heard it yet. I'll tell it to you. you were this guy was brilliant. And the man said, he was working on a building home site building, you know, building homes. And the man in charge said, go cut me ten boards five feet long. Well, this brilliant kid gets a tape measure and measures the first board exactly five feet, marks it, cuts it, it's perfect. But then this little smart boy thinks there's too much trouble taking the tape measure and measuring it. So I am going to take that board and I'm going to measure my next board with it. So this smart kid did that. And then he even thought, well, it's too much trouble getting that board. I'm going to just take the one I just cut. And I cut ten boards. Ooh, I just told on myself. This brilliant person cut ten boards, brought them to the guy, and he looked at him like, what the heck have you done? 
I've got one board. What did you do? And fussed at it. You don't cut boards like that. You don't measure a board with a board. You measure it with the standard. And so what we've done, I feel like sometimes, a picture of our spiritual lives. Well, look at this person. Look at God of Franco. He's a father. He's been on a mission field. He's given his life. God, I want to be like you, God. Can I please be like you, God? I just want to be old like you when I get old. <laughs> and have a beautiful head. He really is a father. And I admire him. I, that's what I'm going to tell you. I've never told this. We were visiting with Guy and Pat one night. And the Lord said this to me about them. They have more influence in heaven and a higher place in heaven than you do. That's what he told me. Remember that, Becky? I said, Becky, we're in, these people are above us. They're above us. In God's eyes, they're much greater people than we are. Let's make sure we give them the honor of this duty. Because they give their life to serving the Lord. They really have. They've given their life. They've led Muslims to Christ at their own jeopardy. They've done a lot of stuff. You don't know this, but these are powerful people. And so I love them. But he ain't the standard. And he don't want to be the standard. <laughs> He's a wise father. <laughs> I'll help you. I will take you to the standard. He's the standard. And we've got to get to that standard. We've got to get back to that. It doesn't mean that I don't glean from people and love people. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we need to think about what we're doing. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying that to me. I need to think about what I'm doing here, Lord. I don't want to go around caught up in what everybody else is doing. I want to be caught up in what Jesus, the Lord Himself. I want to see Him. And if you read Second Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3, that's all Paul talks about in there. That's what he's saying in there. Don't, you know, don't be thinking about me. I'm just a guy. You're God's building. You're God's field. I'm just a guy working in it. That's what Paul the Apostle was saying. He was trying to direct people to the Lord. Now, he did tell Timothy, Timothy, follow me as I follow the Lord. In other words, you know, God gives leaders and you follow them and all that, but they're not the ultimate standard. I'm just going to hush about that because, but that's important. Let me just say this real quick. The third one is identity, our identity in Christ. Okay, it says, I bow my knees to the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven gets its name. It's, let me just say this. Identity for a Christian is, is almost everything. Okay, meaning this. You can only get your identity from Him. And most Christians are not getting their identity from the Lord Himself. The Father gives identity. And no, I was with a person... This weekend, and this is what they were saying to me. They were talking about, talking about all these spiritual fathers. It's so great for a spiritual father to be here to help me. And I'm thinking, no, that's not so great. Because I don't care if they're the greatest father on the earth, spiritual father on the earth. They can't help you with this. Only God the Father can give us identity. And folks, we are doing it the wrong way. We're trying to get identity out of what we do. Just like a teenager. I, I'm going to share this. Can I go over five minutes? Here's, this is the true what I did when I was a teenager. I was rejected. self rejected I had self-hatred. I had all this bad stuff working in my life. I mean, really bad stuff. And I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be loved. And I wanted significance. Everybody in this room wants that. It's a God-given desire. So I went and found some people who would love me, accept me, and give me significance. I found a group of people who would do that. The problem was, was this. They were drug addicts, drug addicts and crooks. That's what they were. And I became a drug addict and a crook in my life. That's what I became. I was that. Because they loved me. They accepted me. They rejoiced in me and applauded me. And I started looking like them, acting like them, doing the things they did. And, of course, I was on the verge of death at some one point, And the Lord saved me and took me, saved me from hell. But it was because I was searching for this identity. I wanted to be loved. I wanted somebody to care about me and think I was important. And so we do all this stuff to get that. And Christians are the worst about it. This, I'm telling you, they are. Because we're no different than anybody else. We need that. God has put that in us. But the Father wants to... When we get this revelation of the Father, guess what happens? He starts telling you who you are. And when he starts telling you, then you understand, this is who I am. Okay, and, and because he's telling me who I am, then I know I'm what I'm supposed to do with my life. 
I don't try to do something to be something or be somebody. I'm doing what I do because this is who the Father says I am. And out of that understanding of that, I, was, I went in this situation and I knew I was going to be intimidated. Okay? I thought, oh, I'm going to be intimidated here, Lord. You're going to have to help me. What am I going to do? I don't want to be intimidated by all these people. I knew I was heading into that. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said one simple thing. Remember who you are. That's it. Just remember who you are. You don't have to be intimidated. Nobody in the world has got anything on you, Byron. Nobody. Nobody's got anything over you. You're a son. So you don't have to worry about what people think. You don't have to worry about what they say or what they do. Just relax and remember that. And when you feel a little edgy, just go back. Oh, yeah, Father. Yes, Father. That's right. You're my daddy. Why am I worried about all these guys? They're the same as me. They're in the same boat. You know? And see, that's what the Father wants to give every one of us is identity. And it's a real need in the church. It's a real need. And people are just grasping for that significance. You know, and grasping for it. I've had people leave the church. I don't feel accepted there. Well, that's just bull. We can't ultimately accept you. Nobody can. You'll go to a billion churches and you'll never be accepted because you're trying to get it from human beings. If you get it from the Father, that settles it. Then you can walk around and be free and the favor of God will follow you and you'll be accepted and you'll be loved by the people that are supposed to accept you and love you. And that's the truth. That really is the truth. And God wants to do that for us. It's so vital for our Christian life. These are like vital signs. Vital. It's vital. And this will change your life. Some of you have tremendous callings in this room. And you're believing your calling is what's going to give you significance. It's not. I thought being a pastor would give me significance. Bad thought. I mean, we're talking opposite. It makes you insignificant. It takes away from you. And that's the way all that stuff will do. It'll take away from you, take away from you, take away from you. Unless you've got this thing with the Father. So I want to encourage you about this. When you know the, the revelation of the Father brings a revelation of you, who you are. You, this is who you are. And then He'll begin to help you understand that and help you walk that out. It's, it's a lot. I'm telling you, we can never talk about it enough. Everywhere you go, you're going to find people searching for identity. Everywhere. They're all over the earth. The earth is crawling with them. In fact, if you go to China, they all have black suits on because everybody in China wears black suits. I'm serious. You go up on a high building and look down in China on the streets are full of people and they all have black clothing on. Every once in a while you see a person with a red shirt on or something. It's like, what's, what's wrong with them, man? I mean, you know, everybody, you know, so you got black hair, black suits. But everybody over there, there's billions of people over there looking for identity. Everywhere we go, there's billions of people in Cary, North Carolina. Well, maybe not billions, but a lot of people in Cary. I just ran into them looking for identity, looking for significance, trying to be something. That's why we're fakes. You get that? We're fakes because we're trying to have identity and be loved. Look at me. I'm somebody. God's moving through me. God ain't moving through you. That's not God. I'm sorry. But God wants to make you significant anyway. And He wants you to know that. It's crushing when we begin to see that. It's crushing. Once I got over my flesh and you know, wanting to judge Him for it. Are you all Okay. All right, let me just read one more thing because we've got three more minutes. Okay? Isn't the Lord good? I want to tell you about God's love. We're going to do that one more time because I love God's love. It's in Acts right there. This is because this is what this whole prayer was about. No, Ephesians, wherever it's at. Somewhere. The Lord wants to set people free. Do y'all feel like there's like a new freedom that's come? Well, when I, let me tell you one little thing. When I was at the beach this week, went to the beach for a few days, and uh, the Lord was really gets me at the beach. Every time I go to the beach, God speaks to me. Every time. And it all started when I was a young Christian. I heard our pastor, Mr. Harry Brazil, your daddy, say, God always speaks to me at the beach. And you know what I thought? Well, if God can speak to him at the beach, he can speak to me at the beach. Because up to that time, when I went to the beach, this is what I was doing bad things. And I thought, well, I was doing some terrible things at the beach. I was sinning bad, you know, I mean, really bad. So I'm going to go there, and I'm going to have spiritual times. For the, and since that time, just a little decision. So I'm sharing that with you. So next time you go to the beach, 
just say, God's going to speak to me at the beach. Well, this is what he showed me. This is really weird. First of all, he showed me something pink. <laughs> you know, pink, like Franny's shirt's kind of pink. Pink. Your sweater's pink. I'm not into pink. I mean, pink is not my color. Like, okay, Lord, what is this pink thing you're showing me? Because I don't really understand the pink deal. And then he showed me something else. He showed me something that looked like iron. Okay? And this, and so I talked to Becky. I said, I'm not really sure. And she said, well, that pink, what do you think it is? Well, she didn't say it, but that's what it sounded like. Bam, Byron, what does the Bible say? I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to take away that stony heart from you. It's right out of the Bible. And it's Ezekiel, I think 11, chapter 11, 18 or 19, something like that. God showed me, Byron, there's places in your heart that have iron ore in them. You know what iron ore is? It's iron, it's hardness. There's places in there. And I want you to give that to me this morning. I want to put a softer heart in you, a newer heart in you. That was a powerful experience with the Lord. Because I feel like this, literally, I feel like this, this iron vest. Have you ever been to the dentist and they took an x-ray of your teeth and they throw that thing on you, that lead thing? You know what it feels like? Like, golly, man, what, what are you doing to me if I had to have this on me? You know, that's what I'm thinking. This is going to be bad if they're putting something like this on me. I mean, God, I'm going to die of radiation. Well, that's the way it felt. Like something like that just got removed off of my heart. And God was taking hardness out of my heart that I didn't even know was in there. And He was putting that pink, and we think, oh, flesh, no, no. No, flesh in the sense of a soft heart. A heart that can receive from God and hear from And it felt, I mean, I felt like I felt light. I felt, man, I lost weight here. You know, I just felt freer on the inside. But this is, isn't that powerful? I mean, and that's really what God's doing right now. I feel like in my life He's freeing me of things I didn't even know was holding me back. And He's just freed me to be more me. You know? Because He's happy with me, with who I am. Okay? He's happy with me. He loves me, and I never thought that way. But this is what happened to me recently. Is I got these prophetic words given to me. Okay? And there were several of them, but there were two things that were said in there. One was about sausage. <laughs> I'm serious. It was a sausage word. Because I love sausage. <laughs> and not anybody knows about that. In fact, nobody really knows about it. But I only love a particular kind of sausage. It can't be cheap sausage. It's got to be really good, high-quality sausage. And the Lord spoke to me in this prophetic word about this sausage that He was making me. Isn't that powerful? At that moment, I felt so loved by God. I felt love. God, You love me so much. You know, only You know how much I love sausage. And You're giving me these words. And You're letting me know, Byron, I know all about You. I know the thing that You love the most. And I want You to know I'm happy about that. Because I'm the one that actually calls You to love that sausage. And I'm pleased with it. And he had other words in there that weren't about sausages, but about other important things. One of them was about recreational things. Like, I just like, man, I'm just going to quit. I'm done with recreation. I ain't got time for that anymore. This is not working out in my life. And one of them was like, the Lord really wants to bless your recreation. He wants to. Can you know how, you know how that made It made me know that God loves me. He really does love me. Okay, and the other prophetic words were more like destiny words like, oh man, come on, <laughs> if the Lord does this, this is incredible. The Lord's going to do it. He let me know, because He let me know He loved me. Okay, I had a good friend that used to be in this church years ago. She moved to down south. And this woman is an awesome woman. And I love this woman to death in this church. She had a powerful calling for leadership on her, a very influential person. In other words, when, she was, when the Lord was on her and she was moving, it was something. It was great, you know. But she would hit the wall. And I would try to, you know, she, things would go bad in her life and she would just not do well. And I tried and tried to help her because she, she was really open with me about what was going on in her life. I mean, real open. And I was trying to fix her for a long time, you know, but I was focusing on the fruit until one day I found the root 
And this was the root. She in her heart did not believe God loved her. And so when everything bad happened, she would fall apart. And she would make a mess around her. And I told her, listen, this is what happened to me. I'm going to tell you how I came into the love of God experience first time. Because I didn't believe for years that God loved me. As a Christian, I just didn't believe. This is how I felt. Well, God died for everybody, and I'm an everybody. But I'm not anybody to God on a personal level. Okay? And I, I was tormented by that. I was ate up because I didn't feel like God loved me, really loved me. Okay? And Paul said, he, I wanted to read this. This is really important because I want you to get this, wherever this is at. It says that he, being God, would grant to you. Okay? Grant something to you. And he talks about the power of God and the love of God. That we'd be able to grasp or receive the love of God. That He would grant that to us. Okay? And that's what happened to her. I told her, look, this is how I did it. This is how I just made a decision. The Bible says that God loves me. I'm just going to choose to believe that one little thing. God loves me. I didn't feel loved. And I kept saying, that's what the Bible says. I choose to believe it. I choose to believe it. But see what happened to me. Some, it started growing inside of me. God had granted to me the ability to receive His love. Okay? It's a gift from God. It's not something you and I earn. It's not something we have to work up. That's why I say, if you pray this prayer, Lord, grant to me. And see, I'm still praying that prayer because I know there's so much more to the love of God than I know, than any of us know. In fact, we could take the combined total of every Christian in the world about the love of God, and we'd still be just scratching the straw. But I am telling you this. God wants to grant to people today the ability to know His love. And I, that will change your life. I had, this, I had this woman, I said, I got this profound word from the Lord for you. This literally happened. She said, oh, I'm so thankful God sent you here because I'm looking for a prayer. I prayed for a profound word from God. I said, here it is. He, God, loves you. And she looked at me like, that's not profound. <laughs> what you're looking at. I said, it is profound because that really is the truth for you. And if you can receive that, it'll change your life. And I'm telling you today, God really wants... Now, this is what I want you to do. This, I really believe this. There is, the love of God is available to us this morning. Okay, this is, I'm telling you, this is what it's all about. It's about His love. And I guarantee you, there's people in this room right now, if you would get 100% honest with yourself, you would say this, you know what? I'm just not, Lord, I'm not, I'm not really sure about that, Lord. And see, that really breaks the Lord's heart. Becky let me watch this video last night that they watched yesterday of this guy named Brennan Manning. He was an old man. They have some juice on him, old man. <laughs> and this is what he said. I know I'm going over. Please have mercy on me. This is important. It'll be worth your extra couple minutes. This is what Brennan said. He said, he said when we get to heaven, there's only going to be one thing that God is only one want to know. Did you receive my love? That's what God is want to know when we get to heaven. Did you, did you get my love? And did you know that every day of your life I was waiting on you? I thought, God, we've got to get that revelation that you're waiting on us every day. That He's waiting for us to come to Him. He loves us so much. I'm thinking, do I ever, when I heard that, I think, I need help, Lord, in this revelation of love. I want to know that from the deep bottom of my heart, that when I wake up in the morning, that the Lord God Almighty is standing there saying, Byron, I'm just waiting on you because I love you. You know what happened to Bob Jones? Bob Jones died back in the 70s and went to heaven, and there was a line of people. You know, he was in this line, and they were going to the Lord, and he got to the, it was his turn, and he was seeing a bunch of stuff. But the bottom line is this. The Lord asked him a question. Did you learn my love? That was the question that the Father asked. Same thing that Brendan Manning was saying. Did you, did you find out that I loved you while you was on the earth? Did you really find out how much I cared about you? And see, Paul was praying this. 
He's praying for the Ephesians. He's praying for that you, that God would grant to you that you could receive this, that you would have this power to receive love into your life. And see, that's what God wants to do. Because I realized that, that when I, being around all that, I was around that was really wanting to make me judge and criticize when I began to see it through the eyes of love. I began to chant, oh God, Lord, we're in trouble. Have mercy on us. I don't want to judge or criticize. We're in trouble. Just release your love on those people, Lord. Because if they know they if those people know your love, they ain't gonna fake it. They don't have to. Because they're happy no matter what happens, because they have a Father in heaven that loves them and cares about them. How many Christians need that love? How many of us in this room need that love? I thought about that when I was in Korea. I thought about our church. And that's what I thought as that woman's talking to me about my church. I thought, we need God's love. We wouldn't have people falling from the Lord if they knew His love. We wouldn't have marriages falling apart if they knew His love. They just wouldn't. It's something wrong on the inside of us. We lack God's revelation of love in our hearts. God, give us that. I lack it, Lord. I want to be able to stand before you, Lord, and say, Oh, God, I learned it. I learned it good. And I'm fixing to learn some more. You know? So I want to ask you this. I want everybody to close your eyes. Are you all okay? This is a love day. It's late. So you better have some love. It's a ripped shirt day. It's a love day. Ooh, thank you, Lord. God is saying this, this morning, this is what He's saying this afternoon. For those in here, I want you, if you're a person today and you have that question in your heart, just raise your hand about the love of God. Just say, you know what, there you go. Just raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Dude, please don't be ashamed. There's no shame. There's no shame in saying to God, God, I don't really know you love, Lord. My actions prove it. I'm mean to people. I judge people. I'm a critical person, God. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on the church. We're a bunch of pastors walking around with masks on, Lord. We've not known your love, Lord. We've had like a bunch of idiots, Lord. Please forgive us. Oh, God, forgive me. Lord, I want to know your love today. Lord, I want this church and I want the people in this room right now to know that love. Lord, Paul said, he said, it's love that surpasses knowledge. It means love that you experience. I have an experience of love with my wife. I have an experience of love. She is not like, Byron, I love you. No, she demonstrates love to me constantly. That's what God is saying. I want to demonstrate it. So I begin to hear prayers being answered. I begin to get words from the Lord that God was saying, Byron, this is love. I'm letting you know I love you. I love you. That's why I want you to know about, I know about the sausage. I'm just letting you know that's my love for you. I know your little secrets. I love you. Even your bad little secrets. I still love you. I still love you. And God wants to release to you love today. Father, you see these hands raised. I'm raising my hands with them. I'm telling you, Lord, I'm raising my hands. I want to know more of your love. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I'm not satisfied. I'm not full. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I feel like, Lord, if I don't get a hold of you, Lord... Lord, if I don't get more of you, if I don't come away, if I don't get this, Lord, I'm not, I know I'm not going to make it. I need your love, Lord. I pray today that love would come down on these hearts. I pray that people would get a revelation of love. Lord, I pray these guys going to India, it would be like, oh man, there's, there's something about these people. There's something about them. Just being around them makes me feel loved and cared about. Lord, I pray for everybody in this room looking for significance, looking for purpose, looking for destiny, looking to be accepted, Lord, that you would reveal your love right now to them. You touch these hearts, Lord. Touch these minds, Lord. Lord, love is the thing that's the greatest thing, Lord. Lord, I pray that I ask you for that, Lord. Holy Spirit, just release that right now. Just release it, Lord.
Let's just take a moment. If you have to leave, it's okay. But just take a moment just to receive love. Because your life can be changed because of love. Love is what will transform you. You can have an encounter with the Lord and not be transformed. I've had lots of encounters, but when I encountered His love, I was transformed. That's what changed me. That's what healed me. That's what delivered me. It's God's love. It's as the love of Christ. That we would be able to grasp it. We would be able to lay hold of it. It's something that's given to you. You don't have to earn it. It's given. It's made available to the people of God. It's made available to all people. But especially the family of God. And God really does want you to know that He deeply loves you. And that man was right, that Brennan Manning guy. It just crushed me again. And I, wanna, and I don't mind being crushed. That God is waiting on me every day. He's looking for me because He loves me. He loves you. God loves you. He loves you personally. If you were the only person in the world, He would have hung on the cross for you. If you were the only person, He would have suffered everything He suffered just for you. Because He loves you that much. Father, make that real. Make that real to the people in this room. Don't let us be people who assume anything. Let it be made real, Lord. Whoa, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love, Lord. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And maybe I've committed a great sin by going to 20 after. (laughs) I didn't mean to. I didn't plan it. I'm just telling you that God loves you. Thank you, Lord. As uh, we're ending today, Kevin, can you do He Loves Us? Just really feeling like that. He is jealous for me. It's real easy. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's stand up. We're going to... Kevin's just going to be doing that song. I just really was feeling it. He's jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. It. What is the rest of it? I am a tree. <laughs> Y'all know it. <laughs> this morning in the first service, I actually felt the dove of heaven come and land on people. And it was a baptism of love. The dove that landed on Jesus. When he began his ministry, he was baptized in love. My beloved son in who I'm well pleased. And that's before he did anything And that is the thing that blocks us from really knowing that God loves us. Is we believe we have to perform to get God to love us. And that is just not true. God loves us because He loves us because He loves us because He loves us because He loves us. So right now, just receive that heavenly dove. He he came in the room. When When you came in this morning for that service, He was already here. So that dove really wants to baptize us. Fresh. In the love of God, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, in who I'm well pleased. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we can, you can stay and sing or dismiss, but just go in that grace, in that baptism of my beloved daughter, my beloved son, in who I'm well pleased. Thank you, Lord.